offense because it's such a, a vitally important subject. Everybody's offended today in the world and even drifting over. It's, it's even leaked over into the church. And Jesus said some things about offense. Our lights aren't on today, so, but that's all right. We'll make it. Jesus said some things about offense in the Scriptures. And in Luke chapter 17, in verse number 1, He made this statement. He said, he said this to His disciples. He said, It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. In other words, Jesus was saying here to the disciples and to us, he made it very clear that it is absolutely impossible to live in the world and not have the opportunity to be offended. Are you with me? Now, I want to say that again because Jesus, Jesus, um, specified that here and made it very clear that it's, it, it's impossible to live in this world today. Let there be light. And uh, it's impossible to live in this world and not have the opportunity to become offended. The word offense comes from the Greek word, and we mentioned this in the last, uh, the last lesson that we did on this, the Greek word scandalon which is where we get our English word scandal. And the word scandalon refers to the part of a trap, of the trap or a snare that the bait was attached to. So, so offense is a, is a snare. It's, it's something that will, that will trap you and I as believers if we allow ourselves to get caught up in offense or to become offended. Uh, and it's, you know, we will have that opportunity for that to happen in our lives. So we have to be on guard against offense. The deadliest and most deceptive trap that the enemy sets, the, the most deceptive snare that he has for the believer today is this trap of offense. And there's something about offense when we look at it in the Word of God and you study it. I mean, offense imprisons countless numbers of Christians and believers today. They're, they're, they're snared by that. They're entrapped by that. And it severs so many relationships. How many, how many people do you know? I'm, and I'm, talking, I'm not talking about out here in the world, but I'm talking about in the body of Christ. How many relationships do you know that have been severed among brothers and sisters in Christ People that won't even talk to one another anymore or communicate in, within the body of Christ in the church. Well, offense causes a severing of those relationships. And it makes us unable to function in the calling that God has called us to because we are wounded. And the Bible says that, that a brother offended is, is, is hard to win. He's hard to win back. He puts up a, 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 a fence around him. So once somebody has been offended, been hurt, been wounded, it's hard, to, um, it's hard for that individual to fulfill their calling. It handicaps us and hinders us from reaching our full potential in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to be on guard against offense and against being offended. Can you agree with that? 
And we are, we've, we've, we've made the, we've made the, um, you know, we, we've made it clear, and Jesus has made it clear in the Word of God that we're going to have the opportunity to be offended. And it just, you know, it just boggles your mind when you, when you turn on the TV and you watch what's going on in the world today and everybody's offended about something, you know. I mean, um, I, I, you know, we brought this up, I think, last time. It was during the, the Cardinals were playing the Braves and they don't even want them to do the, tom, the Braves to do the tomahawk chop because it offends the Native Americans or some, you know, and just everybody's offended about something. And, and so offenses are going to come. Jesus said that they are. And um, so, you know, we can see that in the world, but, but, but it's drifted over into the body of Christ, into the church. So it's something that you and I, it's a deadly trap. It's the bait of Satan, and it, it, is, it, will, it, will, it will ruin and wreck your spiritual life and your walk with God. If you, depending on how you respond, your response to offense when it comes your way. Are you with me? Amen? Now, now I want to read to you from Genesis. If you want to go to Genesis chapter 50. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 50. Because last time in, in that lesson, uh, week before last, um, we talked about two groups, and I mentioned two groups that, of, of people that are offended. Um, and that, that those who, uh, all offended people, fall into two major categories. And those two categories of offended people are those who have been genuinely mistreated and those who think they have been mistreated but have not been mistreated. And Satan, you know, he's a master at, at causing people to think that they've been mistreated and become offended. And I, and I made mention of that, you know, that's why we, d we don't go around with our feelings on our sleeve because that's why Jesus said offenses are going to come. So be ready and beware of that. But we, we want to deal tonight with in this, in this message this evening, we want to deal with that first category and, those, uh, 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 and talk about those who are gen genuinely mistreated and have been genuinely mistreated. And uh, there, is, there are probably a lot of, probably everybody in this service tonight, if I would ask for a show of hands and would say, how many of you have genuinely at one time or another in your life been mistreated by someone else? Probably be 100% could raise their hand tonight because we have all, or, or maybe raise both hands, because we have all been, we've all suffered ill treatment, wrong treatment, mistreatment from other people. Isn't that right? Genuinely been mistreated. So um, if you have uh, been genuinely mistreated, and here's the question that I want to ask you tonight. If you have been or you feel like that you have been genuinely mistreated by somebody, do you then have the right or does that give you the right to be offended at that person? at that individual. And, uh, you know, so that's what we want to deal with a little bit tonight. And for the answer to that question, it does, do we have the right? Well, you know, because we've all said it, haven't we? We've all said it. Yeah, but you don't know what they did yeah. to me. Anybody ever said that? You don't know what they said about me. You don't know how they treated me. And, and really, you know, uh, and, and that being true, 
But that still doesn't give us the right to take offense and to hold grudges and to be offended and to stay in that offense. I've, I, you know, all right, let's... So, we, so for the answer to this, we want to look at the life of Joseph for a little bit tonight. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I've taught on it before. I've preached on it before. I want to look at it tonight with a little different from a little bit different perspective. But in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 and 20, it says this, Joseph said to them, to his brothers, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God. Now, now you need to underline that in your Bible right there. We need to get a hold of that. Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Oh, hallelujah. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, I want us to look at this, this, this little story of Joseph. It's found in Genesis chapter 37 through 42, somewhere in there. So you can read that this week. But Joseph was the 11th son of Jacob. And Joseph was um, his daddy's favorite. You remember that? I mean, the Bible even says that Jacob loved Joseph more than he loved um, more than he loved his other sons, and he sh did show favoritism to Joseph, and he made him a coat of many colors uh, and gave to him and show to show everybody. And you know, Joseph wore that, and it just it really irked his brothers when he would walk around with that coat of many colors on. They just didn't care for that at all because it showed the favor that his father had for him. And so they, his brothers didn't care much for him anyway. And uh, so then to top everything else off, Joseph, as we know, was a dreamer, wasn't he? And, you know, he, the dreams that he had, though, they, they came from the Lord. God gave Joseph two dreams. And in the first dream that Joseph had, he dreamed that he and his brothers were out in the field and they were binding up sheaves. And uh, as they were doing that, uh, the sheaves stood upright and Joseph's sheaves stood upright and all of his brothers' sheaves bowed down and, uh, and, and honored the sheaf of Joseph and bowed down to his sheaf. And then the second dream he had, he saw in that second dream, he saw the sun and the moon and the 11 stars which represented uh, Jacob and his brothers and all of Israel, uh, bowing down before him. And so when he shared these dreams with his brothers, his brothers even hated him much more now. I mean, you know, he's wearing the coat of many colors. Daddy's showing favoritism to him. They didn't care much for him anyway. Now he's telling them these dreams, trying to make them think that he's so much better than what they are. And so they really hated him even more. Well, his brothers went off to feed, the, to, feed to take care of the flocks. And Jacob sent Joseph to check on his brothers. And he he went looking for them. And uh, when Joseph was coming to where his brothers were, out in the field where they were, they saw Joseph coming, and when they saw him coming, they conspired against him. They, they were sitting there and they said, Here comes the dreamer. Oh, the dreamer's coming to visit us. Well, let's just kill him. Now, these are his... Listen, these, <laughs> these are church folks. These are his brothers. Amen. <laughs> 
and uh, His own flesh and blood. They've got the same Father, I mean the same blood running through their veins. They're family and, and they see Joseph coming and they say, well, we'll just get rid of him and we'll see what will become of his dreams and we'll just kill him. We'll put him in this pit and we'll just put him there to die. So they put him there in the pit. They, they threw him in the pit, took his coat of many colors, shredded it up a little bit, poured some animal blood on it and then took it home to Jacob to convince their, their father that, that Joseph had been killed by a wild beast. Well, the Ishmaelite, a band of Ishmaelites come through and they, you know, Reuben talked them into not killing him, but let's just, you know, so, so they left him in that pit and while Reuben was gone, the other brothers saw the band of Ishmaelites coming, so they sold Joseph to the band of Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Joseph had offended his brothers, so they in turn betrayed him. They, he offended them, not really by doing anything, but just by the dreams that he had and the favoritism that his father showed to him. But, but they went ahead and they betrayed him and they took away Joseph's inheritance. They took away his family rights, everything that he had coming to him. And, and as I said, these were his brothers. These were not enemies. These were his own family members. And this was, was a terrible, terrible thing that his brothers did to Joseph. They kept Joseph from receiving his inheritance. They stripped him literally of his identity and all that he had and sold him as a slave into Egypt to those Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt and what they did to their brother was an evil thing and was a cruel thing. Would you agree with that? And they, they showed their hatred to him and it was evil and it was cruel what they did. Now, now we've got perfect hindsight. Right, We can read this story, and we read this story, and, and, it, and as I said, it's one of my favorite stories, and it's an inspiring story because we know how it all ends. We know how it all turns out, but that isn't how Joseph experienced it. And when you're going through something, come on now, when you're facing something and you're going through something, you don't see the end, the end from the beginning. You just know and see and experience what you're going through and what you're facing and what you're dealing with right at that special particular time in your life. But God sees the whole picture. Come on, somebody. God sees the whole thing. And so, so it looked to Joseph. Well, here he is sold, you know, sold as a slave into, into, into slavery in Egypt. And it looked to Joseph and seemed to him that he was never going to see his father again. His dream that God, the dream that God had given him for his life was never going to be fulfilled. And so Joseph is sold to Potiphar, to Potiphar and he served Potiphar there in Egypt for 10 years. And he faithfully served Potiphar. And for 10 years, he never heard from his family. because, And he knew for, for all that time, he knew Jacob, his dad, was not going to come looking for him because his dad believed that he was dead and he would never come looking for him. And that was exactly what, jo what Jacob believed. As I was reading that today, I mean, it just got me because uh, it just struck me when, 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 those sons, when those sons brought that coat of many colors to Jacob, with that animal blood on it and they said, hey, we found, we found this coat. Now these guys, you know, listen to these guys. These are, this was the church of that day. It was. These were God's chosen people. And, and they, they said, hey, we found this coat out there. It kind of looks like Joe's. 
But we're not sure. Can you identify it? And Jacob saw it and it's tore up and it's got blood on it. And he said, that's Joseph's coat. Surely a wild beast has, has, has devoured him and that's all that's left is his coat. But you know what? That wasn't the truth. Joseph was very much alive. But Jacob was sad because he was believing the evidence that he had. Come on. Sometimes, sometimes the evidence that we have and what we're just looking at right at that moment is not the end of the story. Can I get an amen in this house? Oh, hallelujah. We got we to gotta understand that God has got the final say in the situation. And so... Here they are, you know, and God has got his hand on Joseph. Even there in Egypt, God's still with him. He found favor there in Potiphar's house. Over all that Potiphar has, God's blessing him. The Lord's with him. He's successful there. Potiphar's trusting him with everything. And so it, it just looks as if things are looking up. Things are not so bad now. Seem like I heard somebody preach a message here a while back. If it ain't one thing, it's another. <laughs> Praise God. Anybody remember that? Oh, hallelujah. God was, if nothing else, when Leon Batchelor preached that message, he was getting me prepared for something. He was talking to me. But just about the time that things seemed to be looking up in Joseph's life, something else happened. And we know what happened. Remember the story Potiphar's wife? Uh, she cast her eyes upon Joseph. She wanted to uh, have an affair with him. And uh, Joseph refused her. And when he refused her, what did she do? She cried rape. She, she, she took Joseph's coat. She called the men in and said, that Hebrew slave that we've got here, he, he tried to force me. He tried to rape me. So she falsely accused Joseph. And Potiphar then, in his anger, had Joseph put into prison. Now, the prisons in those days were nothing like the prisons today. You know, the prisons and the dungeons in those days in Egypt were would make today's prisons look like a country club. Uh, today's prisons, a lot of them do look like country clubs. But, but, but those prisons were dark and they were dank and they were stinky and they were dirty and they were filthy and they, they put, they put the, the prisoners in the, fastened them in the stocks. And the Bible says in Psalm 105 that, that they hurt Joseph's feet with the stocks and they laid him in irons. And so Joseph now is put in prison. He's done, now listen, he's done absolutely nothing wrong. Isn't that true? He's not committed one sin. He's actually taken a stand for the Lord and, and resisted the advances of Potiphar's wife. He's resisted temptation. He said, I cannot commit this, this, this act of wickedness and sin against my God. He stood for the Lord. And where does it get him? You know, he's doing his best to live for God. Where does it get him? It gets him in more trouble and gets him now in the dungeon. And he's down there fastened up in the stocks in the dungeon. Everything seems to be going wrong. His dreams are getting farther and farther and farther from away from being fulfilled in his life. Isn't that right? How do you think that he must have felt? I mean, can you just hear his thoughts in that dark prison as Joseph is thinking, what have I done? Anybody ever think that? Why? 
Why has this happened to me? Why did they do me this way? Why did I get lied on? I don't deserve to be here. What has happened? And I know he did some soul searching and some heart searching. And all, and all that Joseph went through, now listen to this. This is the part we need to get a hold of. Because in everything that Joseph dealt with and everything that he went through, he still had the right to choose how he would respond to what had happened to him and in his life. And every single one of us are going to be treated unjustly at times. We're going to be mistreated at times. We're going to face things that we don't understand at times. How many is going to come? Are you here tonight? Amen. We're going to go through situations that we don't know why and we're going to do some soul searching and heart searching. And it may be, we may be in a situation because of something that somebody has done to us unjustly and how they've treated us or what they've said about us. But listen, it's up to you and I in those situations to choose our response. How are we going to respond to those things that are happening in our life? And how we respond to those mistreatments and how we respond to those things are going to determine whether we continue to fulfill God's plan for our life and continue to walk in the will of God and continue to remain free from the trap of offense. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. So he had to choose. I mean, is he going to become offended? Is he going to become bitter toward his brothers? And then maybe even get offended at God? How many people does that? Would he give up the hope of his promise being fulfilled and the dreams coming to pass? Would he lose his desire and incentive for life? All of those things were the temptations that Joseph is facing while he's going through this time in the dungeon, in the prison. But I'm going to tell you something. In, in all that Joseph went through, and in everything, you've got to hear me now, in everything that you face and everything that I face, God is still in control of the situation. Oh, somebody ought to shout on that. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. He's still in control of your life. That's why it's so important how we respond to those situations because we don't want to mess things up. And your response can mess things up. Get you sidetracked. But God was still in control of Joseph's situation in his life. And it probably never did cross Joseph's mind until it was all over that God was, was, was putting him through a process to prepare him for the high place Mm, hallelujah, that he was getting ready to exalt him to. And he had to go through a training period and a, and a testing period. It was a process that Joseph had to go through to prepare him for being 
in that place of leadership and, and ruling that God was going to, to place him in. We all, listen, we all got to go through the training periods. We all got to go through the testing periods. Amen? And it's in these training periods and these testing periods and these times that we go through these, these trials that we focus on. And, and here's what we do. We focus on the impossibility of our circumstances. And when you focus on the impossibility of the circumstances, then you quit focusing on the greatness of God. But even in the midst of the impossibility of your situation, you've got to continue to focus on the greatness of God. And I just can't help but believe that that's what Joseph was doing the whole time that he was still focusing on how great and mighty God was even when he was in the dungeon and didn't understand what he was going through. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Oh man. I don't know about you. I feel good tonight. But when you begin to focus on your circumstances instead of on the greatness of God, what happens then is you feel the need. Now listen, when you're in that dungeon and you know it's because of what somebody's done, you just feel the need to blame somebody. It's human nature. It's it's fallen nature. Wasn't that the first thing? Was that the first thing that happened in the garden? When Adam and Eve, you know, they ate the forbidden fruit and, and their eyes were open. They saw that, you know, they were naked and they ran and they hid from God. They heard God coming in the cool of the evening and they ran and hid from him. And God said, Adam, where are you at? And he said, well, I'm hiding from you. I'm playing hide and seek. And he said, why are, you, why are you hiding from me? He said, well, I was naked and I'm afraid, so I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Uh, did you eat? God asked him the question. He said, did you eat of that tree that I told you not to eat of? What was the first thing he did? Got to blame somebody. That woman! <laughs> Isn't that what he did? That woman you gave me is her fault. Actually, he was blaming her and blaming God for giving him the woman. So it is her fault. And then he looked at Eve and said, what about that? And she said, well, it was the serpent. He beguiled me. So, you know, it's just passing the buck. So that, that's, the, you know, we want to play that blame game. And that's, we have to, we feel, we feel uh, that, that we have to blame someone. And so many times, as I mentioned a while ago, uh, we realize, when we realize somebody's done us wrong, we want to blame them for our situation, our predicament. When we think that, when then we get to thinking and the devil perches up on your shoulder and said, well, you know, God let this happen. I mean, if God could, God could have prevented this and if God wanted to, he could have stopped it from happening. Well, then people get to thinking about that and they think, well, why didn't God do something about this? Why did God let this happen? Well, listen, I'm telling you, we've been through stuff, Vicki and I, in our life that we didn't, we still don't have all the answers, amen? And, and you, you get to think of, well, why did God allow this? Or why didn't God prevent this? And you know what? If you get to dwelling on that, that's the thing that Satan wants to use then to put it as a whisper in your ear. And the next thing you know, people are blaming God for their predicament and blaming God for their situation. Then they're mad at God. 
And there's so many people, listen, there's multitudes of people out here tonight that, are, that, that one time were a part of a church, that one time were living for Jesus, that one time were on fire for God, but, but because they got in some dungeon, because of what somebody did to them, they allowed offense to grip them or else they became offended at God and now they're not serving the Lord anymore. That's how, that's how that bait, that trap, that snare of offense, that snare of the devil offense will cause people to lose out with God. And Joseph had that, had that opportunity to blame God and to blame his brothers. But you never read in there that he ever does that. Praise God. You never read anywhere where Joseph complained. I think if he had, it would have been recorded in the Bible. But we get so good at assigning blame, don't we? When things, when things happen. Looking for somebody to blame. Oh, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that gossiper in the church. That one that destroyed my reputation, that one that told lies. So if it wasn't for them, things would have worked out better in my life. But they, 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 they hindered me from being able to fulfill my divine call and destiny in my life. They caused things to go bad for me because they lied on me. You can pass that blame all day long. You know, you can hold that grudge all your life but it's not going to help things at all. You've got to get rid of that. The list of blaming people and blaming God, the list of all this blame game is, is endless because it's easy to blame everyone else for the problems that you have and it's easy to imagine how much better off you would be you know, if it had not been for those around you that had hurt you. But let me tell you something. You need to get a hold of this tonight. You need to get a hold of this because this is ministered to me because there is absolutely no man, no woman, no boy, no girl, no devil, no demon that can get you out of the will of God for your life. Only God Almighty holds your destiny. Only God Almighty, as you as a child of God, God alone holds your destiny. Are you listening to me? And nobody else, nobody else, no, not even Satan himself, can cause you, can get you out of the will of God. Now there's some things you can do to get out of it. But nobody else can get you out of the will of God. And that's what Joseph's brothers tried to do. They tried their best to destroy the dream that God had given him and they thought that they had ended it because that's what they said. Let's see what becomes of his dreams after we get done with him. They were out to deliberately destroy his life. And you know... It boggles your mind, but there are actually people within churches that set out to destroy and to tear down other Christians. There's, there's people that actually set out to tear churches down. People say, well, I don't think so. Well, it's, it's so. It happens. And they set out to destroy Joseph's life. But can I tell you, they could not, listen, they could not stop 
the plan of God for his life. The pit they put him in, the lies they told Jacob, selling him into Egypt, the, 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 the false accusations of Potiphar's wife, being locked up in the prison, in the dungeon, all of those things, out of all those things that happened to Joseph, he's put in there for, to die. Those, those slaves didn't just, they were given a life sentence. And all the things that happened to Joseph, out of all that, they could not. None of that could stop God's plan for his life. So you need to understand that today, that if you will guard yourself against offense, it matters not what people do or what people say or what you have to go through. God has a plan for you, and if you'll walk with God, God will fulfill that plan in your life. Yes, he will. I mean, God didn't turn to, to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit and say, oh, my Lord, what are we, we going to do now? I mean, Joseph's, Joseph's in a mess. The plan that we had for him isn't going to be fulfilled. No, God always has a plan. He always has a plan. How do you think Joseph would have fared in a lot of our churches today? If Joseph would have been more, more you know, like most of us, he would have been seeking revenge. He'd been sitting there seething in that prison. He would have been seeking and plotting revenge. All them brothers of mine, if I ever get the opportunity, they are going to pay for this. I'm getting them. If I ever get my hands on them, I'm going to kill them. But let me, let me tell you something. See, that was, that's what offense does. And, and if Joseph would have ever gotten that attitude, God would have left him in that dungeon to rot. He would have. If Joseph would have copped that attitude, that I'm going to get even with them if I ever get the chance, and built a hatred in his heart against them, God could have never got him out of that prison. God could have never used him in his plan. Because if that would have been the motive of Joseph, then when he had that opportunity, if God would have exalted him to the place second in command under Pharaoh, if he would have exalted him there with Joseph having that in his heart, Joseph would have killed the 12 tribes of Israel including the tribe of Judah through whom the Messiah was going to come through. Can you see how it was a testing period? It was a time of, of he was being sifted. Remember Jesus told Simon Peter, Satan has desired you to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Joseph's going through a sifting period, a trying time, and, and, and praise God, he came through the thing without becoming offended at his brother's. Hallelujah. How much time I got? I got I to gotta close. You know, it even got worse. I mean, you know, he's, he's down there then and he, he interprets a dream. There's two other prisoners there, the butler and the baker, not the candlestick maker. <laughs> Just the butler and the baker. <laughs> he, and they both have dreams and Joseph accurately interprets their dreams. Remember that? Said one of them is going to be restored to his, to his place at Pharaoh's side. The other one's going to be executed. And those dreams were fulfilled exactly as Joseph said they would, would be. And when, that, when, they, uh, when they were, Joseph asked the butler, said, when God, when you're restored back to Pharaoh's side, please tell him about me. Tell him that I'm here, that I don't need to be here. Please do that. And the, oh, the butler said, don't worry, man. I'll never forget you. 
you got this one. I'll, I'll, I'll remember you. I wouldn't forget you. And guess what he did? He forgot him. And Joseph stays there two more years. Here he is, two more years. I mean, he's looking, things are looking up. I'm going to get out of here. Everything's going to be all right. And then he's there two more years without one single word. But then something happened. Pharaoh had a dream. And he calls all of his magicians and his soothsayers and all the wise men of Egypt to interpret the dream. And nobody can interpret the dream. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the butler remembers, oh, I had a dream and there was a Hebrew slave down there in prison that knows how to interpret dreams. And Pharaoh said, get him up here now. And finally, the word came. And they went down to the dungeon. Can you imagine two years now, two more years of waiting. He's been there a total of about 13 years in Egypt. 13 years in Egypt. But now one day, the day finally comes to when they walk down there, unlock that dungeon, that prison cell. They pull him out of there, unshackle his chains, give him a fresh suit of clothes, get him a bath and a shave and a haircut and put some new duds on him. And that afternoon he's standing before Pharaoh interpreting Pharaoh's dream. And he goes in one day, come on somebody, he goes in one single day from being a slave for 13 years to being second in command over the greatest nation on the earth. That's God. That's how God can do something in our life if we'll just stay true, if we'll not get offended, if we'll not hold grudges, if we'll keep in the love of God. God will bring us through the test and bring us to the fulfillment of the dream that he has for our life. Well, go ahead and give the Lord praise. Woo! Hallelujah. And later on, when the famine that Joseph had told Pharaoh was coming for seven years, when the famine was great over the earth, and there wasn't any food in Canaan, those brothers had to come to Egypt to get food. And guess who they had to deal with? I just love the way God works things out. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? CSA is such an inspiring story because we see the end of it. But Joseph went through 13 years not knowing what was going to happen. He just held on to the dreams that God had given him. They had to come to Joseph to get food. And it was at that point If Joseph had anything in his heart, an offense, a grudge, vengeance, revenge, get even, if it was in his heart, then he had the opportunity to carry it out. When those brothers came before Joseph, it's the sheaves bowing before Joseph's sheaf. Are you listening to me? Thirteen years, but the dream's coming to pass. And if Joseph, if Joseph had anything in his heart, at that moment, he could have thrown them in prison. He could have said, well, you scoundrels, do you know who you're bowing before now? Remember what you did to me? Away with them. 
in prison. Anything he would have said, he could have had them executed. He could have had, he could have had them locked up for the rest of their life. He could have put them through. Listen to me. He could have put them through what he, what they put him through. And that's, that's that nature, that fallen nature, what it wants to do. Well, they did it to me, so I'm going to do it to them. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's sin. That's offense. That's a snare. That's Satan's bait. That's his trap. That will destroy your spiritual life and your walk with God. But Joseph didn't kill him. He didn't put him in prison. You know what he did? He wound up giving them, giving them sacks full of grain for nothing, putting their money back in the sack. Remember that? He gave them all that food, and they didn't even have to pay for it. And then when they finally moved to Egypt, he gave them the best, the best place to live, the best of the land, the most fertile land, the land of Goshen that was the best land there. Joseph brought Jacob and all of his brothers and their families down there and gave them the best of the land. So you see what Joseph was doing. Now, is this an example? You know, back when we did a study on the life of Joseph, and I said he was probably the most Christ-like character in the Old Testament. And you can see that here because, because Joseph demonstrated the, the love of Jesus, the, 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 the love of Christ, and this is the way we're supposed to behave and treat those who've done us wrong. Not to be offended, not to seek their hurt. But what Joseph did, he ended up blessing those that had cursed him. He ended up doing good to those that had hated him. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Je Jesus said for us to do. He said, bless those that curse you. Do good to them who do evil to you. Pray for them who despitefully use you and, and persecute you. That's, that's how we're supposed to live. Listen to me, saints of God. And I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody. I don't know your heart. But I'm telling you, as, as believers, as Christians, as Bible believers, we fall way, way short of what we're expected to do when it comes to forgiveness. Now listen, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing, I promise, but listen. I hope you're getting something out of this. this. This will do us all good. But listen what Joseph said to his brothers when they were reunited, when they were reunited and when he finally revealed himself to them. And they were afraid when, they, when he said, I am Joseph. They thought, oh man, we've had it. But listen, Genesis 45, 5 through 8, he says this, But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now, verse 8, so now it was not you who sent me here. But God. Psalm 105 says this, verse 16. Moreover, he, speaking of the Lord, called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. Verse 17. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Let me ask you a question. Who sent Joseph to Egypt? His brothers or God? The scripture is very plain. It said that God sent him there. 
Mm. See, that gets back to what I said a while ago. No mortal man, no devil can supersede the plan of God for your life. God is in control of your life as long as you stay submitted to Him and follow Him. If you lay hold of that truth, it'll set you free. It will set you free. Hallelujah. You won't be blaming nobody else, but you'll be looking to God and saying, God, I tell you what, I don't understand all this, but I know you still got a plan for me, and I know you're bringing me through this, and I know if this is what I got to go through, that's fine. Praise God. You're going to help me through it, and I'm going to be better when I get to the other side. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to get blowed up. I'm not going to pout. I'm not going to get mad at nobody. I'm not going to hold no grudges. I'm not going to blame God but I'm going to trust the Lord with my life and know He will bring me to the place that He has prepared for me to be. Amen? The only one person that can get you out of the will of God is you, yourself. Amen? That is you. And, and, and so, yeah, we may be, we may have been treated unjustly. We may have a right, you know, you know, feel we have a right to be angry with somebody or have an offense. But listen, if you and I allow ourselves to become offended, that will fulfill the enemy's purpose in getting you out of the will of God. Don't let the devil use offense to get you out of the will of God for your life. Stay in God's will. Stay in God's will. Stay in God's plan and he'll bring you through. Can I get an amen? amen. Woo, let's stand to our feet and let's praise the Lord tonight. Amen.